With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On the force, more and more is 94, and the Knicks are hardcore, and I'll tell you like this, we ain't never look sharp, but Hubert... You are now listening to the Knicks State of Mind Podcast, presented by Elite Sports Radio. And now, your hosts, Chip Murphy and Matt Castillo. Hello everybody, it's that time of week again for another episode of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. I'm Matt Castillo with Chip Murphy. Now we have some breaking news that just has been recently updated in the, the last few minutes or so. Um, Chip, you have that news for us? Yeah, uh, just came out, reported that uh, the Celtics and the Cavs are talking about a uh, trade in serious talks of a trade uh, for a swap for Kyrie Irving. And uh, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, Woj is reporting it from ESPN and Shams from the Vertical. So two highly respected uh, reporters. And according to Woj, uh, Boston is also expected to have Jay Crowder included in the trade and uh, multiple picks also included in the trade. So no mention as to whether or not it's one of the uh, Brooklyn Nets picks that they acquired in that infamous trade. But, yeah, uh, Woj just actually just tweeted out that they're now nearing a deal. Wow. Still working on the details. But, uh, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, the two top teams in the East potentially swapping point guards. That's insane, man. I mean, crazy. And it would be a – and the reason why we're bringing this up, obviously, is because the New York Knicks have been mentioned in the running for Kyrie Irving and now – it looks like it's heating up between the Celtics and the Cavaliers. And just hearing that kind of deal, to me, I think it's a, if, if Kyrie wants out of Cleveland so bad, that's really not a bad deal for the Cavaliers to take, to get Isaiah Thomas, who no. is very good, certainly a very talented scorer, and then Crowder, a defensive-minded guy. So even if like LeBron James jumps ship, they still have some pieces there. And can be competitive, you know, moving forward and trying to build back to a championship team. Because let's face it, they don't have LeBron James. There's no championship. But you can still put a, together a strong team and, and work to build back towards that. So to me, I mean, to get Crowder, to get Isaiah Thomas and some draft picks, I mean, that that would be an outstanding deal for the the Cavaliers to work out. Don't you, don't you think, Chip? Absolutely. I mean, like you said, if LeBron leaves. You're going to need something to rebuild. And I think they were hoping to work something out with the uh, the Timberwolves because they got Andrew Wiggins. Mm-hmm. And they wanted him. That was like their first choice. That's what was reported. But now the, it looks like the Timberwolves are going to sign Wiggins to an extension. And I think, like you said, they're not going to find a better player than Isaiah Thomas. And they need to replace Kyrie somehow. Yep. Uh, Isaiah's a better option than starting Derrick Rose. Yep. So... 
as we Knicks fans all know, there's plenty of options out there better than Derrick Rose, as we all know too well. Uh, yeah, and if they can somehow get one of those Nets picks away from Danny Ainge, uh, that would be such a victory, but I can't imagine they'll be able to do that. I mean, he wouldn't trade that Nets pick for so many players. I mean, <laughs> so many players. Yep. Uh, he t- Think about it. He turned down trading it for DeMarcus Cousins, like Jimmy Butler, and Paul George. I, I mean, it would be crazy. It would be crazy if he traded it now. I'm thinking. We'll see. I'm thinking because, you know, David Griffin's out. So they don't really have a general manager. So it's making me think, is LeBron James working this deal? Is he the one that's calling Danny Age right now and trying to, to work this out? I could see it. I mean, he's been called the head coach, just, the GM. I just saw somebody, yeah. I, I could definitely see him calling somebody, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Or his agent calling Danny Age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His agent, like, is a huge power player, yeah. Like, uh, somebody tweeted out that him and Isaiah are tight. So this, that's how one of the reasons this makes sense. So, yeah. I, but, yeah, that's the way things get done in the NBA, right? Yeah. Stuff like that happens. So not necessarily LeBron, but LeBron's agent or one of LeBron's representatives uh, feels out to see if Isaiah would be interested in playing with LeBron. And I can't imagine LeBron or Isaiah wouldn't be interested in playing with LeBron. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty big news. Now, for Nick fans, we're kind of hoping it doesn't happen, so that way we can still kind of keep our hopes up for getting them. But again, this is what I said. Don't keep your hopes up because things like this just don't ever seem to happen. But with that being said, we're going to move on to what our opening topic on today's show was supposed to be. But we felt like that was important just to come in and uh, share our opinions on that. And where we were going is, I was going to ask you this question, Chip. Are you into video games? I am very much into video games, yes. I don't, get, I don't get to play them as much as I used to. Once I got into college, that was basically it of my video games. But I still play Madden and 2K. And something that we have seen become very popular over the last few years in games like Madden and 2K, players want to know what their ratings are. They want to know how the game values them. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about here. The 2K ratings are, have been coming out, and we're going to focus on a few of the Knicks, not not everybody because we'd be here all day with their roster. Um, but we picked four players that we know their ratings for the game, and we're going to talk about is it fair, is it not fair, or is it just right? And what we're going to start off with is Frank Nielakina, the Knicks' eighth pick of this draft. He received a 74 overall rating. Chip, do you do you like that? you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, how do you really judge a guy who you've never seen play? Like, uh, Malik Monk is a 75. Mm-hmm. Dennis Smith's a 76. Yep. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is 77. What makes Dennis Smith a two points better than uh, Neil Aquino? What makes De'Aaron Fox one point better than uh, Dennis Smith? I guess because he was drafted out of him. Uh, Tatum's a 77, again, not a point guard, but, uh, also a rookie and Lonzo and Markel Fultz are both 80. Yeah. So, uh, they were top two picks. So obviously I think that's a little high for a couple of rookies, Mm -hmm. but you know, Lonzo and Fultz have the same rating as D'Angelo Russell. And they're both rated higher than Patrick Beverly. That's crazy. That's a little crazy. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. That's nuts. That that guy's awesome. So... 
It's well, kind of. I think there's some flaws in the 2K rates. Yeah. That, yeah, that's where I was going with it. I think the, a lot of the rookies did get you know, higher than expected. Neil Aquino, I don't think, should be a 74. We haven't even seen what he can do. I was thinking more closer to the lower 70s. Even my man, Dennis Smith Jr., when I saw 76, I was thinking he would be about a 74. So um, I was a little, little. I guess they're getting love from 2K because it was a highly anticipated draft and there were a lot of repicks. So they're, they're getting some love there. But I, I thought their ratings were pretty generous towards the rookies. But, um, you know, certainly I think obviously the top two guys like uh, Fulton and Ball uh, could show that they're worthy of that rating this year even. So, um, but yeah, very generous for them. And now for another guy who last year I think was like a 69 or a 70, uh, Billy Hearn Gomez has now reached, uh, he's, he's getting a, a pretty high rating this year, 77, Chip. Do you think that's a fair? Do you like it? Do you think he should be a little bit low? What are you thinking? No, I like the rating. He definitely earned a much higher rate. It was a 69 last year, yeah. first of all. You were right. Uh, it was a extremely low, which is why I was surprised. Like, I guess Billy Hernan Gomez is at 69 because he was not a first-round pick. Like, you've never seen, you never saw Billy Hernan Gomez play, and you've never seen Frank Nielakina play. Yeah. But I guess Frank's a 74 because he was a first-round pick, unlike Billy Hernan Gomez. Whatever, that's beside the point. <laughs> With international players, I, it must be so hard to rank them for that 2K mm-hmm. people. But... Yeah, he definitely deserved to be in the 70s. 77 is about where I put him, mid-70s. Definitely not like in the 80s or anything. No, That'd be yeah. crazy because he's very – he's flawed. He's flawed. But, yeah, 70s is about where I put him. So I think it's a good rating for, for Billy. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's certainly fair. Um, you know, somebody who showed great post moves, uh, showed that he can provide some offense and a solid rebounder. I think for him, in order to take the next step, which, you know, to get him higher rating in 2K and really just help him progress in his career is the defense. I think, you know, like you said, going into the 80s might be stretching it too far from him, uh, somebody who really struggled defensively. But um, that was a big jump from 69 to 77, and I think he he certainly earned that. I, I think he played very well. Um, even early on when he would play in spurts, I, I was very impressed with him. And then when we got an opportunity to see him start, uh, he, he hit a, he hit a wall, you know, like a lot of rookies do. Um, after he made a you know nice little run for a few weeks, and then you know we 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 talked about it on the show before. Really struggled on the floor with uh, Przingis, especially defensively. Um, but I think he certainly deserves. An increase in his rating like this. Uh, I think somebody like Hern Gomez, just seeing how hard he works, I think he could be in the 80s next year, especially if he picks up that defense. Uh, so it, it is good to see him increase in value. And now next, we got Carmelo Anthony. I think in 2017 or 2K17, he was a 88, if I'm not mistaken. And this year he got an 84. Chip, how do you feel about that? Yeah, you're right. He was 88 last year, went down to an 84. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's right. He he should not have 
day that I definitely mm. deserved to diss uh, with his rating. Uh, but he didn't deserve to go much further than that, I think. 84 is about right. He definitely deserved to stay in the 80s because he's still really good. Still a really talented offensive player. Uh, yeah, I have no problem with the 84. I mean, I'm looking, obviously, at, like, the other players. Like, Dwayne Wade is an 84, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's the same rating as Dwayne Wade. He's, I'm sure, like, the mellow lovers are going to have a problem with the fact that he's rated lower than guys like Devin Booker and Andre Drummond. And, uh, I don't know, I guess Joel Embiid's ranked ahead of him. He's only played, what, like 30 games. <laughs> but look, at Devin Booker, Andre Drummond, those guys. Andre Drummond had a better season, I guess, than Carmelo last year. But, look, at Carmelo declined mm-hmm. last year. And he lost a step, and Dwayne Wade lost a step, too, and that's what happens. Your rating declines in 2K. When your play declines on the court, your rating in 2K declines. And I I think, you know, from an 88, I think that was a little too high for Camelo Anthony. But when I saw 84, I'm not saying I'm totally a little frustrated by it. I do think he could have gotten like an 85, which is not that much higher. I get that. Um so when I saw 84, I said I would have him at an 85. And I know, like you said, he, he definitely has diminished in skill. I know mean, we've talked about him several times on the show of strictly just becoming an outside threat. No, no longer really the guy that can attack the basket and finish around the rim strongly. So, you know, he, he's certainly not worthy of an 88. But I just have a feeling that Carmelo Anthony is going to have a really strong year. I really do, and I think part of it is because I think he's going to start the year on the Knicks. But I think he wants out, obviously. And I think what's the best way to increase your trade value? By playing well. So I I think Carmelo Anthony is going to play better than that 84 rating. I really do. I think he's going to definitely get off to a fast start and – you know, increase that trade value to get out of New York. I can see that happening. Um, I also feel the need to mention there's the Hoodie Mellow uh, that people are talking yeah. about. And Hoodie Mellow has got a 98 overall. <laughs> so I'm saying if, you know, Camelo Anthony gets with his alter ego Hoodie Mellow, he could be playing at 98 for the Knicks, you know, make sure he gets traded. That's what I'm saying. The question is, can Hoodie Mellow play defense? What do you think, Chip? I was just gonna. <laughs> the question is, can Hoodie Mellow? The question is, why don't they ever post any uh, on Chris Brickley's Instagram? Why don't they ever post any videos of Hoodie Mellow playing defense? That's what I was yeah. gonna ask. Why is it always like uh, jumpers being made and dunks being thrown down? <laughs> if Hoodie Mellow plays defense, he's the MVP next year. Unanimous. Move over Stephen Curry because. Hoodie Mel is too real. It's just the defensive factor. So, you know, I love the Hoodie Mel getting a 98. That, that, everybody having fun with that. I've seen that all over social media. So that was, you have to mention that. And now the last player that we have, obviously, we're going with Christos Przingis. Uh, he was an 84 in 2K17, 2K18. He is an 86. Chip, how do you feel about this? Uh, was he in, I thought he was an 81. Oh, you're right. You're right. He was an 80. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You are right. Yeah, you made a big jump. 
You're right. I don't know what I was thinking there. You're right, though. I remember looking that yeah, up just was, before. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think you were looking at it. his rookie year. He was a seventy-four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same as Frank, seventy-four. Last year he was an eighty-one, so he made another big jump. So he's ranked ahead of Mello, highest-ranked player on the team. Which I'm sure that's not going to get broken by whoever else's rank comes out. Which he deserves that. Um, and he's yeah, and eighty-six. Uh, you look at, uh, I'd look at like the players who are ahead of him. I can't see that he should be rated ahead of any of these guys. Like, uh, yeah, I think he's about, you know, he's got the same rating as Joel Embiid. I think they probably did that on purpose because <laughs> those comparisons come yep. up so much. That was smart marketing. But, uh, yeah, I like the, I like the rating. He definitely deserved a significant boost. So, and hopefully he's a, in the 90s one day, just yep. like Mello, on a consistent basis. Yeah, I was just looking now. It's definitely an 81. Uh, I said 84 because my 2K17, I did an update. So I was just looking at the rosters, uh, trying to get the overalls that way. And I said the one that – one of the updates I did, somebody went in and you know edited the players and made it the way they felt like it was more realistic. I did it so I can get some rookie uh, draft class. Um, from this previous draft class. So that's why I said 84. But um, an 86 for this year, I think, is right on the money. Um, you know, he definitely, again, deserves to um, get a higher overall than, than last year. He's not quite at a 90 yet. I think the one thing that is preventing him, once again, is a post game. If he gets a post game, you're not going to stop him. You're, it's, I mean, he's going to be a monster if he can develop a game with his back to the basket. Um, also, as we talked about before, you know, being a smarter player on the floor because he picks up stupid, silly fouls. Um, one of the most um, you know, fouls called on him last year. I think he was actually the leader of fouls per game. Um, just a lot of silly mistakes. So I yeah. think at 86. I think he was first or second. Yeah. yeah, he was right up. It seems like every game that you watched, he had three fouls already in the first you know quarter even. So he had to sit out a lot. Mm-hmm. That took away from his rhythm. Um, so, you know, I think an 86 is very appropriate for him. Uh, and, and I think, like you said, hopefully he can get up to a 90. I think he can, but I think it's going to be depending on how far along he can develop another way to score instead of just relying on his, his jump shot. Um, so my hopes are just as high as yours are, Chip, that he can one day get into the 90s. But I think that's going to wrap it up for this segment. When we come back, we're going to talk about Lance Thomas, maybe a forgotten guy on the roster, especially with other moves like uh, Michael Beasley signing. So we're going to get into him in just a moment. Hi, everybody. This is Chip Murphy, co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and boss of all New York Knicks content at EliteSportsNY.com. To follow my work, you can find me on Twitter at at Chipper Murphy. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Now as we mentioned, we're going to talk about Lance Thomas here. And, and Lance is kind of a forgotten guy, I think, on the roster. Um, me and Chip were just talking about it actually. that We haven't really talked about him a lot on the show. I think the last time we did was probably back in the first episode when we did the Keep Him and Trash Him segment. Uh, so that was several, several weeks ago. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that especially after his season a few years ago, certainly looked like he was going to have a bigger impact last season. 
and a lot of injuries cost them um, basically the season. And now there, there's you know new players being added in, and he could be somebody that find himself buried on the roster. So, Chip, I was going to ask you, how important of a year this is for Lance Thomas with his future for the Knicks? Uh, do you think that if he kind of has another year like he did last year, that he, he's somebody that can be on the way out? Well, look, Lance is under contract for uh, through 2019-20. Mm-hmm. So, or I guess 2019-20 is non-guaranteed. But uh, he signed a four-year $27 million deal. Um, so he's under contract for a while. Um, it's a huge year for him because as we were talking about, uh, before we came on, uh, Mike, they brought in Michael Beasley and Michael Beasley is going to be trying to take what would typically be Lance Thomas's minutes. Mm -hmm. And Nick's fans on Twitter were already complaining about Lance Thomas saying that, uh, Kuzminskis should be getting Lance Thomas's minutes because he's the younger guy, even though he's not really that young. Mm-hmm. He's younger and he's showed more potential than Lance. And like he's, Mendelgas Kuzminskis to me isn't really going to be that much of an impact player. But look, Lance Thomas earned a lot of detractors among amongst Knicks fans last year. So this is a huge, it's probably a, a make or break year for Lance Thomas. You know, he was, he was awful. Uh, he was banged up, and when he was healthy, he played bad. Now, he shot 37% on twos last year. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he made his threes, but he didn't take a lot. He was 40, 45% on threes, but he only took 85. Mm-hmm. So it was a very small sample size. And, you know, you shoot 37% on twos. That's it's pretty atrocious. And, and like I said, he was banged up. He played less than a thousand minutes. He only played forty six games, but man, you can't for a guy whose greatest value is his defense. When he's not completely healthy, it's hard to really evaluate him. He just he was on offense. He was a liability because he was trying to put the ball on the floor and he couldn't put it in the basket unless it was a three point shot. Mm -hmm. So. Lance was a liability on the floor. On offense last year, it felt like because the team wasn't taking as many threes as they were earlier, uh, it felt like they were playing four on five sometimes when he was out there. And I just think Lance was a guy, like I, I kind of talked about when I opened the segment a little bit, is that you know a few years ago, he got off to such a, a great start. We can even back it up even a little bit further. When he first was traded to the Knicks from OKC, basically, he was a guy that was simply a throw-in. Just, yeah, okay, right here, you can take him, you can uh, cut his salary, whatever. And, you know, that was the year I think the Knicks won like 17 games um, with Derek Fisher as a coach. So when he got brought into New York, he got an opportunity to play. And then it quickly turned to like, wait a minute. This guy is seems to be a little bit more than a throw-in player. He can actually play a little bit. Um, you know, you obviously like his his college championship pedigree playing at Duke. Um, you know, he's a smart player. He's going to play hard. And then you can see that he's given production. He's getting an opportunity with that terrible Nick team a few years ago, and he was very impressive. So he earned himself a, a contract to stay with the Knicks. 
And then, you know, going into that next season, I mean, he, he played at a high level early on. I remember even going back and tweeting about how well he was playing. And I said, wow, this guy looks like he can possibly win most improved player. That's how well that he was playing. And last year, I think because of that, he had a lot of expectations. As you mentioned, his contract, he got an even bigger contract to stay with the team. And it was just a, a disaster for, for him. I mean, he just could not stay healthy. Um, you know, anytime that he would come back from an injury, it was like the next game or two that he, he suffered another injury. And when you talk about his shooting difficulties um, or his struggles shooting, when you miss that much time, it's very hard to stay in a rhythm. And I think that's what we saw with Lance Thomas last year, that it just never looked that he was comfortable. He never looked like he was in a rhythm. And it was just it was tough to see because I think that Lance Thomas gives the Knicks some good value. We talk about them not being able to play defense. Well, Lance Thomas is one of our better outside perimeter defenders. And when he was on the shelf with yeah. the injury, it was it was even obviously even worse defensively. So, you know, this year is absolutely a, a huge year for him because last year was bad, and they brought in Michael Beasley as you mentioned, and we we know what Michael Beasley is going to bring. He's going to be able to put the ball on the hoop. Um, you know, where Lance Thomas could have the advantage is that he is the better defender play a defending player. And, you know, look, I think for Lance Thomas, he's got to be able to shoot better than 37% taking twos. Otherwise, he's not going to be out on the floor. So if he can play defense and can shoot, you know, in the 40s, and even that three-point percentage kind of stay right where it is, you know, we don't need Lance Thomas to be a guy that can put up Mikey, uh, Michael Beasley numbers point-wise. You know, Beasley can be more of that scorer off the bench. What we need Lance Thomas to really be able to do is hit his open shots and defend. And, you know, I, I again, with all the injuries last year, it just simply, he just wasn't able to do that. And let me ask you, Chip, do you think that the Knicks maybe have lost some confidence in Lance Thomas, bringing in a player like Michael Beasley, or was that just to add some more depth? No, I think that was to add some more depth because I think Chef Wernicek really likes Lance Thomas, and I think I know Steve Mills does, so he's really, he's talked about him with high praise, so and I know he's friends with Carmelo Anthony, I don't think that has any impact though on his standing, I don't think that'll factor into what they do with him or not, but uh, no, I think they like Lance. I think they really want to give Lance a chance to come back and succeed. Uh, I think it was just about depth. And like we talked about with Beasley, it's also a security blanket for when Carmelo leaves. Mm-hmm. Like that opens up a, a big spot. Like somebody needs, somebody else other than Porzingis is going to need to put the ball in the basket. That's going to be Beasley. So... Mm-hmm. I think that's why Beasley was brought in. And uh, with Beasley, Beasley could become like a 20, 25-minute-per-game player. And Lance could become more like a 10-minute-per-game player, maybe some nights 15. Mm-hmm. But I don't, see, I don't see Lance playing more minutes than Beasley next year. Maybe at the beginning of the year, but by the end of the year, I don't think he will be. 
And I think that this is certainly going to be one of the, the position battles that we'll be paying attention to uh, when training camp starts yeah. and preseason, which, by the way, starts October 3rd is their first preseason game. I believe it's against Brooklyn. Um, but those are the kinds of yes. matchups or, or position battles that we're going to be focusing on um, at the Knicks are going to obviously be focusing on as well. Uh, one thing I can say about Hornacek is he's going to put in the guy who, who's performing better, uh, especially in a position like that. So if, if Thomas is a better defender, but we're playing five on four offensively and we're struggling to put the ball in the basket, well, I think that's you're going to have to force a situation where you're going to sacrifice defense to try to keep up scoring. So Michael Beasley will then get minutes. So, you know, if Lance Thomas, like I said, if he can just hit the open shots, then he can certainly get more minutes than Beasley because he is the better defender. But that is going to be a very interesting part of of camp to watch and pay attention to. And uh, like we've said, it's a big year for Lance Thomas. And for me personally, I, I also agree with you that it's not the Knicks giving up on Lance Thomas, I think they just brought in Beasley to add depth, add a, get another guy that can score. But at the same time, if you have another year like you did, then you're you're going to easily be replaced. Uh, yeah, and, and Michael Beasley is going to get a huge amount of minutes compared to you. So yeah, it's certainly very important for Lance Thomas to stay healthy and, and stay in that rhythm. That, that can help him get minutes and, and stay on the floor. But I think that's all the time we have for this segment. Uh, when we come back, we'll be picking our small forward for the Knicks Ultimate Team. Hello, everybody. Mac is still the co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and contributor to Elite Sports New York. You can follow me at Twitter at MattyDiesel15 to get my latest articles, videos, and podcasts. Make sure to follow Elite Sports New York's Twitter as well at Elite Sports NY and the rest of Elite Sports New York social media pages to stay up to date to all the New York sport news. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. It is now the time for our Knicks Ultimate Team and just to give you an update you can see it on our Twitter page at NYKSOM Podcast where you can see our rosters so far. Um, Our point guards, me and Chip, both went with Walt Clyde Frazier and then in our shooting guards, we had a, a different opinion as Chip took Earl the Pearl Monroe and I took Alan Houston. So this week, we are selecting our small forward. And the way it sounds, we're going to have a little bit of a difference once again. So Chip, who are you picking as your small forward? I'm going with Carmelo Anthony, our current small forward for now. Uh, I think, look... I'm a Carmelo fan, obviously, and I don't think he gets enough credit for the things he's done. Go back and listen to uh, our podcast where we talked to uh, our Phil Jackson fan, who was a huge Carmelo Anthony detractor, and I came to Carmelo then. Uh, I think that Carmelo is incredible, uh, but he's done with so little. But obviously the other argument, the other player you put in there is Bernard King. Mm -hmm. And so you need to compare Carmelo and King. And King played for four seasons for the Knicks. Melo played for seven. Uh, I think what Melo did was more impressive. Uh, Neither one of them had a lot of playoff success. 
Um, Melo played over 400 games. King, 206. King averaged more points uh, and shot a higher percentage, but Melo, King didn't shoot threes. So I I just think, and I know King, so those numbers are a little skewered there. Um, I don't know. Melo was an all-star in all seven seasons he was there. I I, I just got to reward the longevity to the Carmelo and I know it's ironic saying that given that Carmelo has one foot out the door right now but he did play longer and Bernard King I know they say uh, if he was healthy his career would have been uh, even more impressive but uh, he only but he did dominate a few seasons Uh, I'll let you go into that but um, I, it was it was tough for me because Bernard King was obviously great. I mean, he was a two time All Star with the Knicks, but I had to go with Carmelo. I uh, I just that one year. If Carmelo didn't have that 2012-13 year, I wouldn't have gone with him. But that 2012-13 year, when he led the league in scoring, uh, he was just incredible. And then he had that year when he led the league in minutes to 2013-14. Then he broke the single-game scoring record, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, which, I mean, yeah, I think I have to go with Carmelo. So, uh, yeah, Carmelo's my guy there. Yeah, and like you said, this is another tough one. Um, obviously, I think that it's safe to say the two guys that you would consider here are Carmelo Anthony and Bernard King. And let me just start off by saying that I'm choosing Bernard King. And there is no disrespect for Carmelo Anthony from me at all. I, I respect everything Carmelo Anthony has done in a Nick uniform. All this chaos right now with him being traded, I don't blame him. I would want out as well. So it's not like being spiteful, oh, you want to leave, I'm not going to pick you for this. That's not where I'm at at all. Uh, I just think Bernard King, as you kind of talked about a little bit, is that his injuries derailed him, and they did. Uh, I think Bernard King would have been uh, just his numbers would have obviously been so much better if he never suffered those those major knee injuries. I believe he tore his ACL, and then back then, if you had that kind of injury, the surgeries were not as advanced as they are today. I mean, basically, when that injury happened, it was kind of like it's the end of his career. Nobody thought that he would come back. It took nearly two years, basically, to come back from this injury. And when he did, I mean, he still performed at a high level. And I think one thing that sets apart of why I chose to go with Bernard King over Camelo Anthony, because like you said, none of these guys had tremendous success in the playoffs. Um, You know, Melo had that one really good year, which was incredible. Um, But for me, I just think the teams, the Nick teams in the 80s and the 90s were so much tougher than the team that we see now. Uh, I mean, Camelo Anthony is our leader, and I I just associate the Knicks right now as soft. So for me, I I want the more – these players that will come out here in battle. And I think somebody like King is a perfect example of what I'm saying. Cause like I said, he came back from a devastating knee injury 
that everybody was saying that he wasn't going to be able to come back from. And he did and just showed all heart and guts and worked his tail off to get back to playing and played at an extremely high level. Um, you know, like Carmelo Anthony, uh, Anthony was a scoring champion with the Knicks, um, and Bernard King did that back in 1985, which was uh, Patrick Ewing's rookie year. Um, so I, I just think for me, the bottom line is I love Carmelo Anthony, and I obviously have gotten to see Carmelo Anthony play more than I Bernard King. I mean, Bernard King wasn't even playing when I was uh, – I wasn't even born yet. Yeah, his last year in the league was 93. I wasn't born until 94. So I never got to actually see – Bernard King play. Uh, what I get to see from him is what I see, like you know, in these classic games or um, even that ESPN uh, thirty for thirty, the uh, Bernie and Ernie. I think that's what it was called um, with his teammate from the University of Tennessee, and they were teammates on the Knicks together. Um, but to see things like that and, and going back and watching Bernard King back in the day, I just think that he showed a lot of heart and, and guts coming back from that injury and playing at such a high level. And those are the kind of players that I want on my team. Again, no disrespect to Carmelo Anthony. This was, as as we were talking, Chip, it's basically 1A, 1B, just whatever way you see it. So I'm slightly, slightly giving the edge to uh, Bernard King. So there you have it. So far, we have uh, three players picked. Next week would be our power forward selection. And again, we encourage you guys to continue to interact with us and let us know uh, how you think about our picks. Even share your picks. Tell us who you would take with um, small forward selection. We would love to hear from you. And again, our Twitter page is MYKSOM Podcast. And that's all the time that we have for today's episode. And we'll be back next week for another episode of the Next State of Mind Podcast.